You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. He is just an obsessive goal scorer. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And... All right, let's get after it. Welcome to House of Champions. YouTube friends, drop in your comments and questions in that chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we review the games from today's World Cup action. In the House of Champions today, Michael LaHood, Jonathan Johnson, even though he was a minute late, Nigel Rio Coker, boys, boys, boys. JJ, I'm coming to you first, man. What's up with you? You've been around those Parisian cafes watching the games. What's going on? Oh man, honestly, I couldn't get enough of it. I had to even step out during the the Poland game, get my uh, get my fix locally. But uh, no, it's, uh, it's 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 been a rough couple of days while you guys were chowing down on Turkey. Some of us were holding the fort, so uh, forgive me the fatigue. <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker, some great action today, man. Your buddy, your former teammate uh, for Argentina, just got a big win. Massive, massive win. Do you know what I like about that, Ian? It's made that group so wide open that. Every game matters in the last day of a uh, round of games. That is what we want to see. And it's just great to see. Michael LaHood, you picked upon the fact that it wasn't just Lewandowski for Poland. They also have a player called Zielinski, and he was hot today, man. Oh, man. There's something in the water in Naples, and it's translating to this FIFA World Cup. Cannot wait to break it down because a lot of interesting storylines in this group. Well, let's get fired into it. Let's start with Group C today. Match day two underway. And my, oh my, is this group incredibly tight. Argentina just picking up the 2-0 victory against Mexico right there. They waited until the second half. Nigel, what were your thoughts overall on the first half performance from Argentina compared to what we saw in the second half from them? Because obviously Messi stepped up with a big goal, but it was a fantastic finish from Argentina. Yeah, a fantastic goal by Lionel Messi. I think that's why he is the man who he is. In big moments like this, generally he does show up. Um, it looked like a bit of a lackluster shot, Ian. It looked like he just wanted, he made up his mind he was going to shoot before he got the ball. But when you're someone like him, blessed, everything you, you touch generally turns into gold. Um, wasn't a bad performance for me by uh, Argentina. Mexico tried to frustrate them. Mexico really came out with a very defensive minded tactics. I think they were kind of copying Saudi Arabia's blueprint. I have no problem with that because that is one of the best ways to stop Argentina. But if you're going to copy that blueprint of tight, hard to beat, aggressive, getting men around Lionel Messi, not giving them no space, no gaps to work in, you need to have outlets. Mexico mm -hmm. don't have an outlet. They don't have a striker. And it can only work for so long because if you don't have someone who can actually explode with raw pace, raw athleticism, you're going to struggle. So they did as much as they could. 
But once Argentina got that first goal, it was diff difficult for them. And I was so happy to see Fernandez's goal. What a yeah. fantastic finish by mm. that young man. We talk about him for his exploits at Benfica. I got to see him playing for River Plate before mm. he made the move over to Benfica. Another one that mm. came through the academy just like... Um, Oh gosh, the younger, uh, the young lad who's a striker for Man City, he came on as well. Alvarez, both of them graduates of Marcelo Gallardo's rebuild at River Plate. But I don't think it was a bad performance by Mexico. I think they're playing the best they can with the players that they have availability available. There needs to be a rebuilding process, in my opinion. Nigel, we're watching a different game, mate. You're telling me it wasn't a bad performance. From I don't Mexico. think it was that bad, Ian. What could they do? What more could they do? They don't have a striker. What were they? What were they that. trying to do? What were they trying to do? They, they sat back and to tried to defend. The game. They, they were, were trying, trying to get a point, the game. and they, they lost the game. Lose the game it was nonsense, man. I think it's Hold a, a second. It was very similar performance by England and USA yesterday. Both trying uh, not don't, to lose the game. Don't drag, don't drag so, the USMNT into this. Don't drag. We are not in this group. We are not in this fight, JJ. Anyway, I think you're saying. I'm just going to finish off on this tactically, like I said. They copied Saudi Arabia's blueprint, but if you're going to do that, I've said it to you guys before, you need pace, you need an outlet. Mexico didn't have no pace or outlet to be able to get at this Argentina side. That's the problem that they caused yep. themselves. I agree. I think what Mexico have been trying to do since the beginning of this group stage, though, is just to keep it respectable. Mm. You know, they know it's not the best moment. They're trying to be competitive. You know, they're trying not to get you know, absolutely thumps. But, you know, as we've touched on a number of times now, there is no obvious source of goals. You know, if Jimenez, uh, you know, if we could have wound the clock back a, a couple of years, you know, yeah, sure. You know, maybe they would have been a real threat to, to get out of the group and do some real damage, but they're not, uh, you know, and I think basically what they were trying to do here was just try and, you know, keep it tight, maybe sneak a point if they could, but I don't think they realistically had that much hope uh, of keeping Argentina at bay. The thing that really played into their hands was that Argentina had so much pressure on them coming into this game. And you could tell that as well, especially going into the second half where Messi really took it into his own hands. I think I said just before uh, we went on air, really reminded me of a goal he scored for PSG a couple of weeks ago where, you know, Messi just decided, right, you know, this is it. The, the deadlock needs breaking, went for it, uh, you know, and, and managed to, to get the crucial goal, which, uh, which unlocked the match for them. Kind of nervy all the way up until the end because you never know when you're just a goal ahead, uh, you know, but they could breathe a huge sigh of relief when Fernandez got that goal. It wasn't vintage Argentina, but I think given the circumstances and the pressure, which has been mentioned in a couple of the comments that have come in already, uh, you know, I think at the end of the day, it was a question of getting the result for this one. They've got it. And now that sets up a really, really tasty final clash in the group. When I looked at this Mexico lineup going back five, five, three, two, it was set out as a stalls, as you guys said, that they were going to try and frustrate them. The big injury that cost them this game was taking out the likes of Andres Guardado. He does it with your Betis, JJ. He covers so much ground. This guy can go box to box. And this was a game made for Mexico from a tactical standpoint that Tata Martino was trying to do was how long can we keep them frustrated? They're going to put more numbers forward. But I thought Tata waited a bit too long. Argentina, proactive, making subs. They take out Latoro Martinez. They put in Enzo Fernandez. Julian Alvarez comes in, proactive by Scaloni. The half-hour mark, that is the golden number in world soccer where you see teams on the front foot be more proactive by getting players and saying, you know what, we're going to go for it. Mexico, very reactive. Gutierrez does not cover ground. He's having a great season with PSV. Offensive exploits. He's a player that likes to dictate tempo. On the Messi goal, though, a player who has not been in good form since he left Atleti, even his time in Atleti, Hector Herrera. He was at fault for the Messi goal, Messi much with the space. magic, but he gave him too much space. 
when you're out there, there was no sense of urgency from Herrera. Di Maria, a guy I said yesterday, was a player to watch because he was going to be the supplier for anything good for Argentina. Great pass into Messi. But even when Messi took a first touch, there was a bit of lethargy that Herrera showed to not get tighter, have some more urgency, and it cost him in the end. You know, as someone who doesn't like or enjoy watching Mexico play football for the national team, there's some great comments coming in right now. Marco saying Mexico playing disgusting football. Why no goals for Mexico, Michael? This is a great question. They should have called up Carlos Vela and Chicharito. I mean, listen, at the end of the day, you've got experienced players who have played in World Cups before, not even there. And they look hmm. like they didn't even have a plan when they got into Argentina's half. But yeah. what is the recur what is the recurring theme though with all these Mexico players that we're talking about? How old are these guys? Ochoa, Guardado, you know, mm -hmm. Chicharito, Vela, you know, they're they're all well, this, over 30. They're guys that are not the future for El Tri. Well, this, yeah, but this they back. are they are the best players though, JJ. Yeah, they, yeah. You, can't, you can't say that Carlos Vela and uh, Chicharito aren't the best players for Mexico. Raul Jimenez, okay, I understand and respect him. Not being the same player since his head injury, which is really mm. unfortunate. But you cannot say that this team could not have been more improved having Carlos Vela and Chicharito in there. This is a World Cup. Yeah. What are you trying to do? I mean, we were talking points, yesterday the about the United problem. States of America and what they were doing playing young players. It's because it's the best players they have. I don't agree that this is the best, best Mexican roster at all. Sorry, well, JJ. No, to, to dive in there, I think this is what we see with Tata Martino. Tata Martino is a control freak. This guy wants to put out his stall. He wants to say, hey, this is my team. If you look at the roster last year, those were key players. And you have the likes of Chucky Lozano being one of the unsung heroes, scoring that massive goal against Germany. Chucky Lozano is having a dynamite season with Napoli, but Chucky Lozano is not the guy that you're going to count on to score you goals by the handfuls and really be that definitive striker in the box. He's not even a striker. He's a winger. I think that if you were going to get something out of this game, why not start Raul Jimenez? I know you have the injury worries coming into this game, but this was a game built on, on the, the counterattack. Mike, that it, wasn't in it, the game plan. I should have been in the game plan because this was a game built on the counterattack for Mexico. You have your back eight ready to defend for their lives to tee it up on the counter. Raul Jimenez can hold the ball up. Chuka Lozano has the pace to beat Argentina. That combination would have worked a lot better than he and Alexis. I think it was Vera up top. Too much hey, coming great, back to the ball. No great outlet. comment, Mike, here. Listen to this one from Rafa. He said, I give Mexico L3 out of 10. <laughs> 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 Go, JJ. Sorry to interrupt you, man. Uh, no, I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna jump in, but I mean, I think, um, yeah. I mean, I, I get, I get your point. Uh, you know, about them being the best Mexican players uh, at this moment in time, or that the roster could have been stronger. I'm not saying that I think it was the strongest uh, squad that that Mexico could have gone with for this World Cup, but it it just feels like you know there there is some need for new blood and perhaps you know maybe even a new approach as well in terms of uh, in terms of coaching you know we know yep, that there were major problems uh, you know coming into this tournament for mexico and perhaps uh, you know with a a change of uh, a change of wind behind the scene you know yep. maybe things could have been slightly different with similar players but uh, you know i do i do feel like it's kind of now at that point where they need to move on, uh, you know, from uh, from some of these guys. You've seen their limitations. It's it's similar to Costa Rica as well. You can't, you know, yep. rely on the same guy for three, four World Cups, uh, you know, consecutively. It's yeah, it, you know, you need more turnover than that. I mean, I don't have much to add, and I was just going to say this. I said it before in a few earlier pods to you guys as well. I said, in my opinion of Mexico, they need to move on. They need to move on to the next generation. They need to redevelop, regroup, and, and plan for the future. Because this Mexico right now, it's hard to swallow. It's a hard pill to swallow. 
need a change of direction, need to go back to the authenticity of the Mexican style of playing, which is attacking mm. football, all out there, expressive, playing great stuff in the middle type. And I think for me, it's the next generation's time. Like what Mike said, the approach was all wrong today because you didn't have an outlet. You can be as defensively good as you want against any of the world's best side. If you don't have an outlet or any way to cause problems, you're going to struggle and lose games when you play top caliber teams. And for me, obviously, we're going to move on to another game. But when you look at the world now in the sense of what Brazil have, what France have, what some of these top teams have that you're going to be coming up against, that's the kind of level you need to be looking at. And those are the type of players you need to look at to help your team. There was a question coming in a moment ago, statistically asking if Mexico had a shot on target. They did have one shot on target. Argentina had two shots on target, both of those going in the back of the net. Lionel Messi scoring his 93rd national team goal, his eighth goal uh, for uh, Argentina in the World Cup, uh, equal in the same number as Diego Maradona. Enzo Fernandez, mm. as you boys have pointed out, the 21-year-old, only his fifth national team appearance scoring his first goal. Um, question for you, JJ, eighth World Cup goal, same number as Diego Maradona for Messi. Which Argentinian legend has more? Has more than Maradona, Mar more than Messi, or more goals than Messi and Diego Maradona, who have eight in the World Cup. Which Argentinian legend has more? That's his. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why are you asking right, JJ yeah. for? I knew that. I'm a big <laughs> you goal, you would have. You would have been all over it had you known that, Nigel. You had no clue. Uh, listen. I knew it was Batistuta from his Florentina day. <laughs> oh, he even put the accent on it. Don't yeah. worry about that. South London been calling, calling too many Argentinian games you have, Nigel Real Cooker. Great stuff uh, on Argentina as well. Um, let's move on to the other game in the group, Poland against Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think producer Dez pulled out an absolute banger. This is the way uh, Saudi Arabia went into this game here. The fans obviously asking questions about where Messi <laughs> was. They asked the same question of Lewandowski. JJ Lewandowski turned up. So did Zielinski and Poland got a massive, massive win today. Mm. Yeah, they did. Uh, you know, a huge result for them. I do feel like Saudi Arabia, based on the highlights that I saw, because I, I didn't watch the match in real time, uh, you know, were unlucky. They did have their chances. They did compete. And I think they got caught in that that awkward position where they knew they already had unexpected points on the board from that win against Argentina, but knew you know, perhaps even a point in this game might have been enough. So they didn't know whether to sort of stick or twist. Obviously, Poland got that uh, got got that key second goal. Obviously, Chesney as well really bails Poland out, saving the penalty. Yeah. Uh, you know, but I think you you could just see what it meant to Lewandowski as well scoring. I mean, I think those those banners are quite amusing given that Messi did score against Saudi Arabia and Lewandowski has now as well. But uh, you know, it's fair, it's fair game. I saw the Iranians doing it about uh, Bale uh, the other day when Iran beat Wales as well. But going back to to this match, uh, you know, that that's huge for Poland. That gives them a real yeah. opportunity now. Four points from a possible six going into that game with Argentina, you know, a draw and they're, and they're through. Yeah, th this was a game that I have mixed feelings about. I got to see it in real time up until that goal and even really until the second goal. Saudi Arabia were, or Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Saudi, <laughs> yeah. two Saudi Arabia, <laughs> they were the better team. They, I mean, Poland couldn't get within a country mile of them. They were overrunning them. A lot of the same tactics that they used on Argentina. It was really the high press in midfield, forcing turnovers, not allowing Lewandowski any entry passes. And I thought there was such a massive gap. You saw a lot of midfielders. Krakowiak, very far from the player he was at Sevilla, rated him very highly during his time in La Liga. A lot of sideways, a lot of backwards passes. And Lewandowski... Oh, he, came to, he came to PSG. That's why he's not the same player anymore. <laughs> too, much, too much French wine. I've been there. Know the feeling. But a lot of sideway passes. 
when you have a talent like Robert Lewandowski, you have to pick your head up and you have to almost hit blind passes into him. Lewandowski dropping back a bit more. And I think we saw a different recipe for success for Lewandowski on the first goal. He will have to be more of a creator. The the buildup to it, the pass from Matty Cash, going to give your Matty Cash a brilliant shout. Gave it in the group chat. First time pass, one of the first forward passes we saw from Poland in the game, overlapping runs. This is a Poland team that too many players want the ball to feet. They now have to run off of Lewandowski, the likes of he and Zielinski, to create more space for them. Second goal, brilliant moment for him, and he really could have had a, a hat trick if he wanted to. I thought he overplayed it a bit on a golden chance he had where he tried to chip Ches or not Chesney, the Saudi Arabian goalkeeper in, and it wasn't to be for him in the end. But brilliant moment, brilliant result for Poland, and I cannot wait to watch that Argentina match. You will feel tension unlike any other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel sorry for Saudi Arabia, if I'm honest. I think uh, Michael's gone into great detail, as so did the uh, JJ. But for me, Ian, just to simplify, I'll just say what Poland were lacking is athleticism. What they did, the difference was they were clinical. If Saudi Arabia were a lot more clinical, those chances and half chances that they had, we'll be looking at a complete different scoreline. Because for me, mm -hmm. the commitment, the, the, the passion that Saudi Arabia is showing, the desire, that's old World Cup style football. They're going for it every single game. And they have some players that are so athletically gifted and their footballing ability is of a high standard and level as well. If they could have been clinical and taken them half chances, we'll be looking at a different game. Poland is going to struggle because they lack athleticism. And like uh, Michael said there, not enough runners in behind. Everyone wants it to feet. This game has changed now. You need to have players you can put, go in behind at times or you can have players you can put in high positions in one-on-one -on -one situations to take players on and make things happen. Mm -hmm. Big moments obviously happen in World Cup games and I think you have to say the save from Chesney from Aldo Sarri off the penalty kick was a massive moment in this game because had uh, that momentum sort of shifted you you thought that maybe Saudi Arabia would have come out in the second half and really gotten after this Poland side. I am incredibly impressed with what Saudi Arabia have done. They have left all of their talking on the on the pitch they are doing all they're talking for their nation for their people for their right to maybe even host a world cup one day but also yeah. for respect from around what's happening in the soccer world we must not forget that saudi arabia is becoming more and more prominent in the world of football and uh, i think their country their nation should be incredibly proud of the performance these boys have been putting out there they are fitter than any team i have seen at this world cup they work harder than any team but by the way they have a bit of quality in class, but what yeah. they are missing is to Nigel's point is that that killer instinct and that bit of quality, that world-class finishing around that penalty area. It's almost as if they need a bit more composure when it comes to it. Um, but I guess I've got to come to you guys who actually gets out of this group because I don't yeah. fancy Mexico against the Saudi Arabia side. I would have to say right now, Saudi Arabia are probably mm -hmm. favorites in that game. And I think Argentina now would be a favorite to beat Poland. So who comes out of the group, JJ? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's a really tough one to call because I really want to predict that Saudi Arabia will beat Mexico. I have a nagging suspicion that game is going to be a draw, uh, and I think that Argentina will beat Poland. So I guess that brings it down to uh, to, to goal difference. Uh, it depends really, you know, how badly uh, you know Poland get beaten by Argentina. I expect them to to lose. Maybe they won't, uh, but you know, I think. For, for me, I'd love for Saudi Arabia to get that win and boost themselves up. Would be at, at the expense of Poland, obviously. But uh, yeah, for me, I think it's probably going to be Argentina and Poland sneaking through because I think Argentina will win that game. I'm going to make a bold prediction, JJ. I'm going to go where you refuse to go. I'm going to pick the Saudis to get through. 
Argentina and the Saudis because Mexico, they're in a crisis moment. They're in a crisis before coming to this World Cup, and that crisis is showing itself. Andres Guardado, if he can return, then that'll give him a boost. Raul Jimenez, does he start? He better start if they want to get through the group. This is a Mexican team that is there for the picking and and really the, the press. The press, they are the vultures around this team that, as I said before, when they get to the World Cup, they are a non-factor. But these players are going to start feeling every ounce of that pressure. And Saudi Arabia, do not underestimate the impact and the influence that their fans have had at this World Cup. I think their fans will get them over the line. I think they have the quality. They will feel frustrated and feel really good about their performance in the end against Poland and feel that they can go and really make a statement at this World Cup. Argentina, Saudis. Mm. Argentina, Saudi Arabia. I think for me, Saudi Arabia is going to feel like a home game for them, a cup final with all the great support and fans they've had. I feel, again, they've really got that threat, the desires there. Everything there for me says Saudi Arabia will get through with Argentina. All right, producer Des wants to throw an image right now that is uh, quite and rather interesting right now, Kylian Mbappe. Uh, post-game, taking an interesting photograph. I think it's important that we show these types of photographs. Um, apparently, some of his best supporters um, that were at the stadium today, um, he obviously was asked to take a photograph and, and did take a photograph as well. So if at any time you'd like to throw that photograph, producer Des, that would be great for us. But I'll get to some of the comments right now coming in. Uh, beautiful goal from Enzo Fernandez. That one comes in from Tomesh here. It was an absolute piece second best goal um, after Richarlison. I agree with you right there. Two goals from Poland. It's going to be very hard for Saudi Arabia. I agree with you. I think Poland do go through, in my opinion, with Argentina. But this one is going to be very, very interesting indeed. If we uh, can get to the picture, here we go right now. Thoughts on this, uh, gentlemen? Nigel, I'll start with you. <laughs> <laughs> I have no comment whatsoever. Uh, anybody? Anybody? Yeah, I'll take a stab at it. I, I don't. E- I don't even think he knows who they are. I'm sure he's seeing people that have the corporate. Oh, passes. he knows who they are. He knows. I, who they are. In the height it, of the moment, I think it's Michael. just like here. Mike, would you like to inform it. our viewers exactly who these people are? I think their uh, last names uh, rhymes with dump. Uh, Trump. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Ivanka, Ivanka Trump. Ivanka Trump. That's it. Yeah. All right, JJ, nothing from you. All right, let's move on. No, to- no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't say nothing. But uh, <laughs> I think you know, having having been in the situations that surround Mbappe, like during you know just after games and like uh, you know in and around sort of his aura, a lot of people get funneled his way. He's a very polite kid. Even if he had uh, an opinion, he's not likely to to sort of say it uh, out loud. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't have too 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 many too much more to add. Just uh, you know, I think he's always somebody who strays away from potential controversy. JJ, I'm sorry, I, I have to jump in on that. Right for me, I disagree with that. I'm sorry, I really disagree. I don't like all these people talking about. Oh, he's not. No, he's a grown man now. He's 23 years old, I believe. He's a grown man now. He has his own mind. He should be able to have his own opinion and be comfortable for what he believes in and what he doesn't believe in. That's what I don't like about how we seem to babysit some of these players and don't let them take responsibility for their actions. That's why, for me, I would always be more passionate about the old school players who went out there and we saw everything about them as a person and as a player, who they are. And that's why we gravitate to them. Because for me, I can't do this whole fake thing and image and all that nonsense now he knows what he's doing he's 23 years old he could say yes or no regardless he didn't have to, so, the parents so didn't have you, to be in the picture just to confirm nigel you would have said no to that photograph <laughs> who me yeah. i'll do it for the kids with the parents not being there i'll do it with the kids because <laughs> I, I always believe listen i always believe kids are innocent i'll do it with the kids for sure but i ain't doing it with the parents nah 
All right. Well said. Let's get to break. Uh, more to come from us when we come back. We take a look at match day two in Group D. You are watching House of Champions. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. If you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports podcast family. In Soccer We Trust, former U.S. men's national team stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Davies are previewing and reacting to every single U.S. match with a perspective that only they can offer. Download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you can find your podcast. Welcome back, everyone. You're watching House of Champions. It's Ian Joy with Jonathan Johnson, Nigel Rio Coker, and Michael Hood. We've got a nice one coming in from Tomas. You guys do analysis very nicely. Love from India. It's 3 a.m. there. Uh, we appreciate you, Tomas. Thank you so much for jumping into the show. Spread the words to your friends and tell the whole of India to tune into the show. Let's move on to Group D. Uh, France, we begin with JJ. They got the important victory. Um, I had a little wager on this one. Um, didn't really have too much of a worry because Denmark, to me, even though they equalized at a very important minute in the game, I always kind of knew that France were going to get the job done at the end of the day. Almost to me as if they were in second gear, France. We haven't seen their full potential, but man, they still look pretty good. They did, but one thing I'd like to point out before sort of getting into the match, if Loris doesn't make that save at 1-1, we're talking about something totally different here. We're not talking about France winning that game. We're probably talking about France losing to Denmark. That was an absolutely top-class save in, a, in an absolutely crucial moment. Uh, Denmark, I will start with first. I'll say that like quite a few of the teams at this tournament, they lack a really established goal scorer. Looking at watching Cornelius, you know, trotting around, trying to find the back of the net. And he's going to be, you know, looking for a long time before he scores a goal. I'm really not convinced uh, about, you know, Denmark's chances of going far. If he's really uh, the best goal threat that they have, we saw Braithwaite come on. He missed a chance as well. I think Denmark are pretty well set up all over the pitch bar in attack. Uh, you know, we saw Schmeichel turning back the years with a couple of really crucial saves as well. I think Christensen was a lucky boy. I've seen players go off uh, for, for that. Uh, you know, he, that would have really changed the the game completely, you know, just 20 minutes in. But, uh, you know, sort of to the letter of the law, it wasn't quite a clear goal-scoring opportunity. That yeah, but JJ, no, no one's catching Mbappe there, right? No one is. No, they're not. I mean, we've seen it happen before as well with PK. I mean, Christensen is a bit uh, fleeter of foot than uh, than, than PK, yeah. but uh, still, it's one of those moments that could change the game. So between that, the lorry save, you know, I think there were a couple of key, potential key turning moments. But France, you know, when you have somebody of Mbappe's quality, uh, you know, it's... 
that that exchange with uh, Teo Hernandez uh, on the left for the first goal, you know, absolutely fantastic stuff. Uh, and then Griezmann as well, you know, uh, seeing him chip in and play another a key role for France. I actually thought that he played really well today. Dropped back deep, got involved at times, trying to win the ball back. Uh, took on a really difficult shot in the second half just before France got that opening goal. And I think on another day in better form, you know, maybe he puts that one away as well. But overall, I think France will be absolutely delighted with this. You know, two wins from two. Uh, they are... Funny fact, they are the first defending World Cup champions from Europe to not have fallen at the group stage since 1994. That was Germany. Amazing. Wow. Wow. JJ with his fantastic analysis there, people. Look at that. Amazing. A man who knows France very well. Let's give him a little clap, ladies and gentlemen. I don't think there's much for me to add. I think we discussed this, Ian. We said about, for me, it's hard to root against France. France could be their own worst enemy. That's it. But the talent that comes... Well, yeah, because if you're an enemy of the state, you're not going to get your cognac anymore. (laughs) You've got to be careful with what you're going to say. The talent that France produce is something that people have to understand. It's just like a never-ending conveyor belt. They really are talented. We're talking about this French side. Again, without Conte, without um, Karim Benzema, without Paul Pogba, and look what they're doing. And Denmark Mm -hmm. are a good team. Denmark are no mugs. Like JJ said, I love Denmark from back to front. Again, like many teams, they're missing that striker. They're missing that difference maker. But when you look at France, Oliver Giroud's having the time of his life, the way he's playing, really enjoying his football. He's, he's, he's really blossoming. But when you've got Kylian Mbappe, anything can happen. Because not only can he create goals, but he can also score goals. And he warrants so much attention. And when you give that attention to him, he's not selfish in his play. He brings his teammates into play. And I think for me, France are such a dark horse. It's hard to root against them. And again, their problem would only be within themselves if they yeah. implode with some kind of argument or whatever it is. Denmark yeah, but Omar, Nigel, uh, have they surprised you with that though? Because it looks to me like yeah. the chemistry is good. They're all playing for one another. They're celebrating in style with one another. Everything is in mm. line for France right now. I think they are absolutely frightening. They set the standard. Every game, they go after it. They don't try and change for one game to be ultra defensive and the next game they go for it. They've got their game plan. They believe in their players. They're proactive, playing on the front foot. And like I said, you've got Kylian Mbappe, who can make anything happen. And let's not forget Dembele. Because for me, Dembele has become the main man at Barcelona and he's shown his influence in this French team. It's hard to root against France. And I think that for me was a big statement win. Losing to Denmark twice already in the calendar year. And now obviously in the World Cup, there was already hesitations thinking they could lose again. And, And they got the job done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this was a statement game for this French national team, given their last two matches against Denmark. And what I liked about this French national team is kind of given me a bit of nostalgia about 2018. Do they have the same high level quality as 2018? Not exactly. But when you look at their front three, each of those players are, are really having good starts of the season. Mbappe with PSG, Giroud in Syria, and Dembele at Barcelona. Look at that left side, though. I was having flashbacks to watching Teo Hernandez and Rafa Leal. Teo Hernandez, he will be one of the unsung heroes of this French national team. Another assist from him, the the, the power of the underlap, his ability to pick when he goes out wide, when he comes in, that balance between he and Mbappe, 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 geez, I'm horrific at pronunciations today. Him and Mbappe, they are just creating some magic on that left-hand side. For the first goal, the ability to hit that reverse pass, Gives Mbappe just enough space, quality finish to have that composure and the execution inside the foot. The only place he could have hit it. And for the second goal, the timing of the run, that was world class. Antoine Griezmann knows he's going to get the ball 
from, I think, Kingsley Coleman. But when he picks his head up, he's waiting for Mbappe to show him where to put the ball and just the timing of it. Mbappe is playing high caliber stuff at this World Cup. You, you caught my attention right there with a comment saying that you didn't think that this was as dynamic or dangerous as um, 2018. You know, where where do you think that they're not uh, on equal level here? And let's middle of the park. Middle in, of the park. Middle of the you, park. You, you, you don't right think now. that that middle of the park right now is as good? Angolo Kante and Paul Pogba? Not a chance. That is no. The way that the way there, there is balance between Rabio and Nige, I know your mouth just opened, so I know you're going to hammer me for that comment. But N'Golo Conte, what N'Golo Conte did during that tournament, what he was doing in the Premier League, Rabio and Shrumeni are nowhere close to those levels. They have good complement, though. I think that is what you're seeing. That is part of the blueprint from France, 2008. There's a good balance between those midfield two. But N'Golo Conte and Paul Pogba, my word, they were special. They are special. You know, I've got a, I've got a question for you guys, but I'm going to let Nigel go first. Like, I was going to say, Mike, it's, I'm going to be quick, JJ. It's just different for me. I think for mm. me, the balance they have now suits this team. That's what it is. It suits this team. It doesn't have to be anything super fine to anything like that. You got to look at the players they're coming up against, nullifying the threat. The balance they have right now with this team dynamic, with Mbappe mm. taking more of a leading role. Paul Pogba was the main, one of the main. Well, he was the leading role in that French team. Mbappe now stepped up to the mantle play. You got, uh, like we said, um, oh my God, because Michael just got me so wound up. But I think this balance works. It's different, and I think it works. And I'm with Ian. I think this is just as good right now. I've got a question for you guys as ex-players. So I'm sort of calling on the Council of Sages, so to speak. Uh, you know, we talked about, you know, France sort of being their own worst enemy or touched on it uh, a couple of minutes ago, how they can potentially defeat themselves. I'm going to come to, to Ian first and obviously Mike and Nige jump in if you want. When you get that much misfortune, you see so many players dropping left, right and centre injured. Does that sort of galvanise the team spirit? Because that's what it seems to have done so far for Didier Deschamps' group. Listen, that's a great point, And I agree with it as well. I think that whenever you have a, a, a situation where you're competing in a big competition or you're competing in a cup run or you're pushing for promotion or you're trying to win a championship and you start to see players, key players dropping out, you must come together as a group. And this has really surprised me, which is why I asked Nigel. Uh, my main concern with France was always going to be, um, would the team chemistry be there? Would uh, would the players start to argue with one another? Would Mbappe start to cause problems in the camp? To me, it seems the opposite. It seems like these injuries, and I, I throw Nkunku in there um, as a key player, um, obviously Benzema as well, but I, I, Kante is one that you obviously cannot miss. But I just see this group, the way it is right now, with the mix of youngsters that they have, they are sensational. And the experienced players, who are not very old, by the way, are bringing these youngsters and making them better than I could have ever imagined. What I am seeing from Joe Many is absolutely sensational. By the way, he is one of the most gifted footballers I think I've ever seen. The way he mm. plays, the way he, the way he's casually playing in a, swear there, in a World Cup. It, it, to <laughs> me, it reminds me of someone who's played the game for 20 years. You know what I mean? Just, it's just unbelievable. So, yes, I, I think it's a great, great comment. And Nigel, I want to get your, your thoughts on uh, JJ's question because it's a really important thing. I think, JJ, for me, the biggest thing, I always say mm. this. With great teams and great situations we see like this, a lot of credit needs to be given to management because to keep the harmony in the dressing room and to keep the right attitude and the mindset, it starts from the top. When you've got a manager who's in control, knows what he's doing, he can control and handle all of that. I always say, I think when and it goes back to my younger days of playing against France, France have always had talented players. They know they're always going to produce talented players. So even when they lose 
some of these players that we may look like, oh, he's irreplaceable. You have no idea the talent that's coming through and how they're, they're kind of uh, meshed into this uh, team. And I think the togetherness for me is credit to Didier Deschamps because I'm telling you, I've been in many dressing rooms, experienced many things. When you have a good manager that knows how to manage a dressing room and keep the attitude right, there's never no fear. Everyone goes in, knows what's expected of them, knows what their job is and applies themselves in the correct manner. Everything just falls into place. And that's what I think of this French team. They're richly, they're really frightening. I, you guys have touched on a lot of it. I, I, I really think what I love is just how the richness of talent that this French team has. And sometimes th things fall into your lap that you didn't expect. There was a bit of crisis that we were talking about with the injury crisis before this World Cup. But I really think that balance of players who know their roles. In the last World Cup, you had players who were playing on big teams, captains for big teams, and talented players for big teams. But when they got to the FIFA World Cup, as the, the tournament really progressed, you saw this unified French team and players who accepted different roles. I think the likes of a Blaise Matuidi, who was playing opposition. Matuidi in fine form during that time for Juventus, PSG before, and, and him playing as really a, a kind of pocket player in that left wing position, allowing for overlaps from the outside backs. And, and really, as this France team goes, I'm interested to see what happens with that first real game where they have adversity. The Australia game, it's Australia. But I'm still looking at the knockout phases because they will be one of the favorites right now with how they've played. I'm still looking for that one game when they get tested to see if their medal is still going to be there. Nigel, 30-second answer from you real quickly. Did we overestimate Denmark because they've been pretty poor so far and they're on the verge of going out? I don't think we overestimated them. I think we were very um, accurate in our uh, predictions of Denmark. Very, very good team. Well-drilled, dark horses, but they're lacking a goal scorer. We we, we said that. We, we let people know that they're lacking that goal scoring threat. Too much of a burden on Kristen Eriksen. And that's what you can see. If they had a clinical goal scorer, they would be problems for a lot of teams because they made the French team have to work to get this win. All right, let's turn our attention to the other game in the group, Tunisia against Australia. Mitchell Duke scoring a goal 23 minutes into the game. Born in Sydney, plays in Japan, his first ever World Cup goal. What a great feeling it was for him. Um, he is the second Australian player to score a header at the World Cup after Tim Cahill, who was just fantastic in the air. Mm. Uh, Michael Hood, I'm going to come to you first on this one here. Uh, big win for Australia, puts them right back in the hunt and a big chance for them to get out of the group now. And this was an Aussie team, I think, that are really buoyed by the fact that they got that first goal against France. You see some of that confidence, yes. You take a drubbing 4-1, but it gives you a bit of belief and more believability around the box. I thought Duke was effective against the French early on. Obviously, the French dominating possession and proceedings. But in this game with Tunisia, it's about being clinical. The Tunisian back line, they are, they are very stingy. They don't give you much. But Australia, their direct play and wide play at this World Cup has been impressive. Imp impressive. Matthew Leckie, service from wide, movement from the wingers, and then the midfielders, one midfielder getting in the box, a bit more balance about them. And I think that confidence really starting to show through in this group. I think the difference in this game as well was just a very, very good finish. I mean, looking at the technique, I didn't see the whole game. and It was a bit scrappy uh, for my liking, but I think that suited the Australians as well. But that headed finish is fantastic. Oof. And just touching on Duke before I look at the Tunisian team, lowest, uh, the, the player to be playing in the lowest league, I think, uh, you know, to, to have scored a goal so far because he plies his trade, not in the Japanese top flight, but in the second division. Uh, in terms of Tunisia, Tunisia, it was always going to be a question of whether they could get the consistency. I find that they're very, they're very solid defensively and in the midfield, got beaten by a very good goal here against the, the Aussies. But going forward, 
again, there's no real obvious uh, goal scoring threat. And the players in that team who are capable of scoring goals don't score goals on a consistent basis. So it was always going to be a question of trying to maybe sneak a couple of points here and there uh, and make it through. But I really think they needed to pick up points before that France game, because even if France, uh, you know, rotate their, their squad, I really can't see Tunisia getting much out of this game, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's a massive loss for Tunisia, Ian. I think there was no expectancy of Tunisia to lose to Australia with all the greatest respect. But for me, credit to Australia. Absolutely fantastic. Great determination, commitment. And let's not forget, Mike, that chance that they had with the ball coming across the front of the box mm-hmm. and just couldn't be- get con- connection onto it. Yeah. But um, Tunisia did put Australia under tremendous pressure um, the last 20 minutes or so. But like JJ said, couldn't put the ball into the back of the net. And that is a shocking loss for Tunisia right now. Real quickly, answers on who gets out of this group. Nigel, you've got to show you against Denmark on match day three. Who, who gets out of the group? <laughs> Australia or Denmark? Australia oh, or Denmark. 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 JJ? Denmark. Yeah, uh, Denmark joining France. I think Denmark will be to Australia. Mike? Yeah, Denmark. I think Denmark can cope with Australia's wide play and set pieces will be the difference in this game. Good Seen point, a lot of draws. Michael. Seen a lot of draws, and uh, I think we saw our 12th halftime draw. I think it was nil nil halftime for the 12th. What do you expect, time. mate? It's, it's, a, it's a world cup in half, <laughs> half the, halfway through the season. What people expect, mate? Of course, you're going to get bloody jaws. All right, let's have a quick look at uh, the games coming up on Sunday. Obviously, Group E is going to be fantastic to watch Spain against Germany, Japan against Costa Rica. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Spain and Germany um, battle this one. Germany need to try and get the three points, Spain will qualify for the round if they win and Japan win or draw. So, Michael LaHood, uh, where's your heart going for either of these games? You can focus on anyone uh, you want. Uh, I tell you, I'll, I'll kick Costa Rica out of the group and out of the World Cup now so we don't have to talk about them tomorrow at all. <laughs> so let's focus on these three teams. It, it's it's really that Spain-Germany game and I mean, we could talk ad nauseum about it. How do the Germans line up? Who do they put up top? They go with Kai Havertz. Could this be a chance to just go for gusto and go with the young Makoko because the Spanish... What they don't do well against is pace running towards their goal. Having a pacey striker who can stretch that back line, who they put up top is going to be a big say. And also, stop playing Nicolas Sula at, at right back. He's not, a, he's not a right back. He's a center back. I think if they get that right, then they have a good chance. NRC? With all the greatest respect, Ian, uh, Costa Rica don't really seem like they want to be in this World Cup. And I think Japan are a very good team. So... <laughs> I give Japan that win. Um, but for me, everyone was obviously, like Michael said, for me, it's the reaction from Germany. I think there's been a lot uh, going on with Germany right now. Like Michael said, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I think they need to be a bit more direct in their approach, really get at this Spanish side. And if they play Rodri at centre-back, that's the perfect opportunity, like Michael said there. Give that young Nkuku a run out. Let's see how red, well Rodri can handle that because he's normally playing in centre midfield for Manchester City. Now playing centre-back against one of the most exciting young talents in Europe. Great matchup. JJ? I mean, uh, I think this is a huge opportunity for Japan against Costa Rica. They'll be really kicking themselves if they don't take maximum points. I'm really curious to see how Croatia-Canada plays out as well, especially uh, given what Herdman was saying after the game and sort of the banter that has uh, ensued surrounding that, which has been quite amusing. Uh, You know, but I think it's difficult to say that all eyes are not going to be on Spain against Germany tomorrow. But the other thing that's caught my eye sort of chatting about that group has been Kevin De Bruyne's comments Mm. uh, his comments about his award of man of the match. And then he was asked, uh, you know, basically point blank, uh, you know, do, do Belgium have a, a cat in hell's chance of winning the World Cup? And he basically just, get, just came out and said, no, we're, we're too old. It's, I find his, his honesty 
refreshing in a way, but also I'm kind of intrigued to know as to what he's actually getting at. You know, is he having a dig at the management? Yeah, there? Why? Uh, why is it? You know, or is yeah. it, or is he, or is he trying to inspire his teammates to to prove him wrong? To, does he feel ah. like something is maybe not going on right <laughs> behind the scenes? What would you chalk it down to, Nigel? Kevin De Bruyne is just being very honest. Like when you look at him as a player, he doesn't really do a tremendous amount of interviews. He's very honest and very direct. That there for me is just saying the truth, the reality of what people can see. They don't have a lot of legs. They don't have the pace as some of these other teams. And he's right. It, it, indirectly, he's having a go at the manager, but he's right in what he's saying. He's not using that as a reverse psychology moment for his teammates. That's not Kevin De Bruyne's character or personality. And that's what we talked about. Players like that, I can respect and I love and admire that because they're being them themselves. They're not authentic. shying away from having a platform yeah. and yeah, being an authentic self. And he's right. That's not reverse psychology. Yeah, I think it's really a message, not just to the press, but really to the locker room of saying that's not good enough. If you look at how they played against Canada, no one from that Belgium team, no one should, if they're serious about winning a World Cup, walk off that field thinking, ah, you know what? We did well because <laughs> Canada could have easily won that game or gotten a result. Let's say get a result, get a draw. And I think moving forward, you want your leaders to be very honest. That gives a real trajectory or a real statement on where this team could go if they take his message to heart. When we look at that Croatia game, though, Croatia-Canada, I think this is going to be that sort of deciding factor in this group and really shuffle things. I'm excited to see how the Canadian national team show up for this game. It's one thing to, to get pissed off about what you could do. It's now another thing to channel that frustration, to channel that team unity, that positivity into this Croatia match. I think that they have to be smarter in managing the game because, as Nigel said a couple days ago, if they show up, go for the gusto, they Ian. might find themselves on the wrong Ian, side. Ian, is that result. you? <laughs> Ian, is that you? I ain't that big, mate. I ain't that big. And listen, I'd have more than a Canadian flag there, mate. I'd have a German flag. I'd have a US flag. <laughs> listen, this is this is really unbelievable. JJ, what's your thoughts on this? I mean, because this has obviously Herdman coming out after his comments on, you know, we're going to F them. That's what we're going to do. And they're they're actually frustrated with this. The Croatian media are really starting to take it to um, the Canadians. And this is really, really interesting to see um, that we're going to do our talking on the pitch and uh, uh, your, your thoughts overall. I'm uh, I'm amused. I mean, I think these kind of stories are always good fun during the World Cup. Uh, I think as well, you know, for Croatia, obviously they won't be familiar with Canada at an international level as they've risen, uh, you know, through the through the ranks because Canada haven't really been around on the international stage. Certainly not, you know, during my lifetime. But you know, to have them suddenly here you know, looking pretty decent with some really, really good players. And then, uh, you know, just being bold and saying that kind of thing afterwards. Yeah, I mean, it was bound to get the the Croats' uh, attention. But Croatia, again, we it seems to be a real recurring theme in this podcast and in, uh, you know, the sort of build-up to the World Cup as well. Croatia, another team that don't have that recognized source of goals. And, you know, they are, I think they're really going to find it tough against this Croatian side. And if they do lose, or even if they draw, they're facing a, a tough time getting out of this group with one game left. Yeah, I'm with you. And really the headline stating, uh, Herdman, do you have the balls? That's the question <laughs> right there. Uh, we got to ask this question because Tamás is at 3 a.m. in India and he's been asking this question five times over. So I got to get to it before we get out of here. Manuel Neuer is playing on reputation. Ter Stegen deserves to play. Uh, what do you guys think? Please answer me. Um, go around. Nigel, go quickly. Nah, I think Neuer is doing fantastically fine for me. I think uh, he deserves to play still, in my opinion. All agree? Yeah, absolutely. One thing he is, he's a leader as well as yeah. a good goalkeeper. So the leadership factor is experience. He was the, the goalkeeper last time out for the World Cup. You give him the number one, no question about it. Jay? 
Yeah, full full house. Although I would say that I've never really been Ter Stegen's biggest fan, but I'll leave that for another day. <laughs> <laughs> All right, listen, before we get out of here, I want to get your final thoughts on this one. This was the celebration, obviously, that we witnessed uh, from the Australian goal. Uh, Mitchell Duke and his son Jackson stolen mm. the hearts of everybody pretty much for the same celebration here. This was obviously a signal to his son. Uh, Nigel, you've got 17 kids, so what was your thoughts on this one? 17 kids. It's great. It's great, Ian. It's honestly, for me, listen, I think this is the part that I've always strived for about being a footballer is they don't forget the human part of it, the human element of it, of that we've got families, we've got kids, we've got things that we go through as well. And it's just to be authentically true to yourself and who you are. He's, he's, he's Aussie. You can guarantee that he's more bad mouth than you are, Nigel. <laughs> oh, great. Now, these are the little gems of the World Cup. You, you look at the pressure these players are under to be grounded. I think you're looking at a very grounded footballer who knows what matters to him most, obviously his son and his family. And you love these little authentic moments you don't get enough of them at the world cup yeah michael LaHood asked us to put this one up here just because obviously the english uh, shit the bed a little bit yesterday the english fans <laughs> were denied entry wearing the crusader costumes yesterday <laughs> probably the smartest decision that the qataris have made uh, jj your thoughts on this it is a bit disappointing to see because this is a symbol we're so used to seeing in major tournaments right for the english yeah it's it's embarrassing but it's predictable as well i mean it's <laughs> it's, it's middle-aged tired banter Nigel thought I like that JJ 100% times have changed let's let's give a real reflection of what England is now because for me that doesn't look good it doesn't wash down well around the world and I think this is why I think moments like that it is done trouble as well it is but and I think those are the moments where England need to educate their fans that this is the reason why a lot of the world hates you and hates your footballing club and wants you to (laughs) crash and burn because you're bringing up history in not such a nice way and it's not amusing to some people because there's history behind that. There's I tell you what, I, 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 I love this sort of stuff. It reminds me, look at what African countries do. This is part of the World Cup. You, you take no, different Mike, stuff from the, the cultures, the like history, and I'll tell you why. Same. I'll tell you one reason why. I wish someone would show up and the old British officer, the Redcoats are coming because I love the fact that USMNT fans, out American outlaws showing up in the old Revolutionary War because who won? USA. USA, USA, USA. We're turning this into a political debate. We've had Ivanka Trump and Michael Lude talking about red coats here. Uh, let's get out of here. But I do look forward to the House of Champions edition when we do take place at a World Cup because I'll be turning up like freaking William Wallace whenever the English are playing. Uh, thanks to everybody out there who's been listening to us. If you are listening on cbssports.com, we want to let you know that you can subscribe to our YouTube channel or our podcast by simply searching House the champions were available on all podcast platforms and we deliver world-class soccer coverage during the world cup and beyond go find us because i know you're loving exactly what you're hearing including nigel's comments on ivanka trump boys uh, thank you so much (laughs) (laughs) love you guys another great day of uh, world cup action we'll be back at it again tomorrow 4 p.m eastern everybody around the world including all of our new fans in india have a great sleep we'll see you again tomorrow more action coming your way how's the champions checking out Hey everyone, this is Jimmy Conrad, your favorite former U.S. men's national team player and the host of the Call It What You Want podcast. And I'm here to tell you that Viore is a versatile clothing brand that speaks my language. It's inspired from the coastal California lifestyle, just like me. Its products stand the test of time. 
just like me, and also just like me, it endeavors to inspire others to live vibrant, healthy lives. Fiore gear is designed to look great in everyday life while also being perfect for any workout activity. I'm currently rocking the men's Sunday performance jogger, and don't let the name deceive you. You can wear these babies any day of the week and in any situation. I'm talking going to the office, running errands, the gym, whatever your heart desires, because Viore is an investment in your happiness. For our listeners, they are offering 20% off your first purchase. So get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com sports. That's V-U-O-R-I.com sports. Not only will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns. Again, go to viore.com sports and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.